You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I am your host, Josh Rayleigh. Man, I'm fired up. It is officially September. I hope you all had a great Labor Day weekend. I'm here, gosh, I guess about 11 o'clock on Monday night trying to crank this episode out. We had a busy weekend, went and visited family. Uh, had a great time, did a little fishing, uh, checked a bunch of trail cameras down at my uh, family's farm in Alabama, and man, I'm back home, and whew, I'm exhausted. I'm tired, but I got to get this episode cranked out, and I uh, got some exciting news today. So in this episode, we're talking with Brian Dombrowski of Wisconsin about uh, hunting deer in the early season, and I wanted to get him on because the dude loves the early season. In fact, he heads out in early September every year out to North Dakota and uh, chases some velvet bucks out there and saw just this evening a couple of hours ago he scored on like his fourth or fifth day there in uh, in North Dakota so Brian congrats to you man way to go so in this episode you're going to hear a lot about some of the tactics that he uses to get on bucks uh, in the early season so uh, it's a little bit different what he does in Wisconsin and then what he does in North Dakota. You know, a lot of stuff in Wisconsin. He's running trail cameras all summer long, using mock scrapes, all kinds of other stuff. In North Dakota, he's just relying on knowledge from previous years and that kind of stuff. But anyway, Brian's a great guy, very knowledgeable hunter. Looking forward to having him on because I said, hey, if you get out there to North Dakota and kill something, you got to come back on the show. So. Uh, yeah, so looking forward to having him back on really, really soon. Not going to belabor this uh, this intro very much at all. Like I said, it's about 11 o'clock, so I'm ready for bed. But anyway, I do want to say thanks to our partners before we get started. 
First of all, Tacticam, the title sponsor of this show. Uh, if you haven't gone out and tried some Tacticam products yet, I'd, I don't know what else I can say at this point other than their stuff's awesome. I was checking some trail cameras this weekend and uh, messing around with the uh, Reveal X Gen 2 cameras. And man, the ability to just slide in and out that little battery pack rather than have to mess with a bunch of AA batteries, it's just a game changer. So if you go to their website, pick up a Reveal X Gen 2 uh, trail camera or Reveal X Pro, they can take these lithium battery packs that are actually rechargeable. So rather than having to haul double A's in and out, all of that mess, throw all those away, figure out if the batteries are fresh or old or whatever the case may be, you just have a battery pack that you take with you, pop an old, pop the old one out, pop a new one in, you're good to go. So anyway, yeah, go check those out, tacticam.com or revealcellcam.com. Next up, Huntworth. They've got a new line of stuff out, their cold weather gear, I have yet to get my hands on it, but it looks fantastic. Uh, I've been putting their packs to use over the last couple of weeks, and man, those things are holding up really, really well, especially like in the uh, Hickory backpack right now. Uh, I wasn't sure how I was going to like it for the early season, given that it's a, a bit bigger than the, than the Lodi pack, but the suspension system that keeps it off of my back while I'm walking in and out has made it quickly become my favorite pack, even though it's a little bit heavier than the Lodi. Uh, I think the trade-off is just worth it. And hey, like I said before, it's got room for all of my gear. But you can go find their new cold weather gear, their packs, and all their other stuff at huntworthgear.com. And then finally, Deer Lab. Check some trail cameras at uh, my dad's place down in Alabama. Was able to upload those photos to Deer Lab, and we've got a wide nine uh, on there right now. Now, those deer down in the deep south Alabama are going to grow their antlers for probably another month or so. They usually don't shed velvet until a couple of days into October, sometimes as late as mid-October. So they've got some time to go yet, um, but he may throw a tenth point. But anyway, nice deer, one of the nicer deer that we've had in there for a while, one of the wider deer that we've had in there for a while. So uh, looking forward to my dad getting to hunt him here this early season. Hopefully he's been pretty regular in uh in one of the food plots so maybe he'll be able to catch him slipping up in the early season but you better believe we're uploading all that data to deer lab go check them out you can get 20 percent off of any plan by using the code wisconsin all caps that'll get you 20 percent off now with all that out of the way let's jump right into the episode with brian dombrowski all right on the line with me today for this week's episode of the wisconsin sportsman podcast is brian dombrowski brian how's it going man Going pretty good. I appreciate you asking me to be out here. Absolutely, man. Glad you can make time to come on the show. We've we've talked a bit on uh, on Instagram, and I've I've been really intrigued by the pictures and things that I've seen you post. And uh, so I was like, man, I want to get this guy on. So we talked a little bit more, and you said something that not a lot of guys tell me. It's that man, I want to get my my deer in the early season and then get out. And you know, here in Wisconsin, I, I shared kind of earlier before we started recording. A lot of guys are, are biding their time until that late October time frame, first couple of weeks of November, and you're like, no, I want to be out of the woods by then. Like, I want to be I want to be done by, you know, middle of October if I can be. So I was like, okay, now I've definitely got to have you on because you love to hunt the early season, and that's a piece that I have really yet to unravel. Uh, I've been getting closer and closer over the last couple of years, but I'm making some key mistakes that are costing me dear, and so... Wanted to have you on, talk a little bit about your strategy and especially how your summer scouting and a lot of your trail camera stuff leads you into and sets you up for a good early season. But before we dive into all of that, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about you, what you do for a living, where you hunt, all that good stuff. 
So I'm, I'm from central Wisconsin. Um, what I do for a living is I, I, I'm in the security industry. I'm a service tech. So that allows me to travel all over the central part of the state, all the way to Lake Michigan, up, up north. I get to see a lot of, a lot of different areas. So. Yeah, very good. So what about your, your hunting scenario then? Are you hunting public, private, mixture of the two, big properties, small properties, ag ground, big woods? What does it look like? Most of the parcels I hunt are public. Um, I am not particular in the size of the pieces I go on. I, I've been hunting spots down to 10 acres all the way up to thousands. Um, a lot of egg around here. There are a lot of big parcels. Uh, I, I cover a pretty wide area as far as um, the type of gear I'm looking for. I'm looking for a uh, uh, decent age and I'm looking for a certain genetics. And I got to travel around quite a bit for that. So I'm probably covering upwards of 15,000 acres. And if you know central Wisconsin, it's a lot of patchwork of smaller parcels, 40s, 80s, 120s. So I got to, I'm covering all these ground, all this ground every year. And I'm discovering for specific signs. Um, I'm not necessarily going to hunt that same piece every year. If there's, if the deer that I don't think is in there, is in there, I'm not going to hunt it. I will revisit it the following year to see if the sign is in there, but I'm looking for a specific sign that's telling me that there's a big buck there. No matter, you know, what part of that ground it is, um, it could be right next to the road. I've, it's it's crazy where these, you know, these deer are just, they are where they are, these big bucks, um, based off of pressure and just all sorts of factors. So you kind of take, you can take your Onyx or, you know, your, your scouting apps, and what I like to do is I'll, I'll, I'll mark a couple waypoints that I want to get to on that property. And along the way, it just kind of leads me in all these different directions. And, uh, you know, just based off the sign I'm seeing, I'm, I'm taking that sign right back to that buck's bed. And I'll lay right down in that bed, and I'm looking around. I uh, That buck will be bedded in a certain spot, and based off how he, he's laying in that bed, you can come up with a game plan. Um, there might be a deadfall that's kind of blocking the view from a certain tree you can get up in. So you got to put all this, all this stuff together. You know, when, when is that buck at that, when's he betting there for one? Why is he betting there? Um, what's the local food source he's heading to? Cause that plays into my, how I plan everything out is based off. I'm not necessarily hunting that food source, but that's the direction of travel from that bed. Um, I want to get as close to that bed as humanly possible and put myself in between him and that food source. Yeah, Yeah, man, you're, you, you said something there and it's not something I hear a lot of guys doing on public land. You're after certain genetics and a lot of times specific deer. Tell me about what, what kind of deer is that? Like what, what specific genetics are you after? I am after, um, five by five, six by sixes that are, I, I want, I really want to go after and try to locate in my lifetime a buck that's going to rival for the biggest ones ever shot wow. for, uh, typical. Wow. And that's why I'm covering so much ground. Um, I have a few areas right now that I'm, I'm getting five, six year old deer that are six by sixes. They don't necessarily have the time length, but 
there are some coming up in the ranks. There's some three-year-olds that are really nice. And to, to be able to leave them alone on public land and maybe, you know, maybe I'll go after that five-and-a-half-year-old, 12, that with the body is just monstrous, you know. And I can maybe leave that other one alone. Hopefully he doesn't entice me. And he'll make it another year, you know. Yeah. So it's, uh, and you got I'm just casting a big dragnet out there for looking for a specific genetic and a specific age class. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's that's one of the things that I I really really love about hunting in Wisconsin. It's it doesn't top the list for people as far as destination states. It doesn't get mentioned in the same breath as Kansas and Iowa or uh, Ohio or some of these other states that people are like, ah, oh, that's a big buck state. But man, the potential that yep. that we have here in Wisconsin, I I just like I've I've mentioned on the podcast before, I hunt in southern Wisconsin and. Man, the quality of the deer, the quantity of the deer, um, it, it's just unbelievable to me. It is. And you'll and everyone overlooks I don't know if they overlook, but it's you got the center part of the state is pretty sandy. So everyone kind of ignores it because you know the minerals in the soil and this and that. They're heading over to Buffalo County. Uh, you know, you got Richland Center, you got Tigerton Iola area. Um you know, you're down by Ripon, Marquette County, all these areas that are, you know, probably better for, you know, growing bigger deer. That's why being a sandy area here, I got to cover a lot of ground to try to find what I'm after. Yeah. Yeah. When you're doing your, you, you mentioned doing some e-scouting earlier and, and marking some waypoints and then going in and you want to see the sign that you're looking for. What are yeah. some of the things that you're keying in on when it comes to doing your e-scouting? So I'm doing my e-scouting. I'm looking for, I'll take a big chunk of land and I'll mark a few different points inside there that there's a lot of, a lot of pine plantations and stuff around here. So I'm going to look for an area that maybe the pine trees are dead and it's grassy or something like that. I'm, I'm going to mark that spot. That's going to be a destination. I'm going to work my way back to, um, as far as let's say we're going in a marshy area, I am going to be looking for, you can tell the, you know, the, some of these bigger marshes that you never come out of them. They stay in there their whole life. And I, I'll get pictures at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock, way back in these marshes. These, these deer are not coming out. And so I'm looking for, instead of a field, I'm looking for an oak flat back in these marshes. And you can tell that based on the tree, trees and stuff. Um, so I'm going to mark that. I'm going to make that a destination because usually you're on that oak flat. There's going to be, I'm specifically looking for big, you know, like a big rub. I'm, I'm going back. I'm looking for signpost rubs. I'm looking for staging grounds. And based off the sign I'm finding back in the destination areas I'm targeting, I'm going to take that sign and I'm going to, I'm going to work my way right back to that buck's bed. You know, it, it's going to be average whitetail, you know, buck, I believe, you know, like a 658 or yeah, organically shaped, of course. And within that, they're going to have a few different, prime areas they like to specifically bend that are you know probably a few acres in size so i'm gonna i'm gonna work my way right back to that deer's bed based off that rub and i don't see a lot of people doing this much but um you can tell a lot from a rub uh the type of deer you're after um the buck i shot last year had a split route time and after i shot that buck i went all through that marsh and i tracked all the way you know i had a picture of him early season i actually shot him uh, about a mile away and I, I followed that buck based off his rubs where he was in that marsh because every rub he had was about two to three feet off the ground 
on a certain diameter tree, and it had the two parallel scratch marks in it from a split brow tie. Um, and if you're after, let's say you're after a bladed, you know, you're, you're after a buck with bladed brow tie, you might notice in that tree you're going to have a half-inch gouge that's kind of scraped up, you know, it's like shaved up more, you know, with the quarter-inch, half-inch strips coming off. Um, that could be possibly from a bladed brow tie. Um, or if he has a lot of curve, you know, a lot of knobs and stuff by the bases, it might be a little more shredded look. But you can, that's kind of a calling card almost, that that, uh, that rub. There's a deer I'm after this year that's, he's leaving a rub three to four feet off the ground on a certain diameter tree. And, you know, I can tell, I, I located his home area, I could, you know, by finding all this, all the, all the rubs circling his court area, basically. Um, yeah, so let's let's cover that a little bit more because um, you mentioned you want to go in there and you, you're looking for a specific sign. Is it is it just the rubs that you're really keying in on keying in on as far as sign, or are there other things that are that are really important to you as well? I'm marking, so I'll mark uh, staging areas. I'm going to mark um, doe bedding areas. Um, I'm specifically going to mark uh, buck beds, no matter which you know, what deer I think is using them. And, but I'm specifically looking for um, trying to locate where that big sign is leading back to. I'm going to weed through all these other deer. I'm not too concerned about hunting deer in general. I want to, I'm just focused on that specific buck. Yeah. I want to track him through that marsh. Um, I'll find his track. I will see what his track looks like. I might measure. I'm going to measure his, uh, his rubs. I'm going to find that. And I'm going to do my off, you know, off-season scouting, and I'm going to go through that whole marsh and look look for all you know that specific sign that takes me right back to where he's bedded. And based off the rubs, too, you can tell what time of year they're in these areas. Um, you can tell if it's an early-season rub. Let's say, you know, you can tell by the way the trees scab over. Um, if it's an early season or late season rub, you know, if, if it was made later in the season and you're there early spring looking, it's going to appear white, you know, or, you know, it's going to look fresher, but if it's uh, early season rub, it's already going to start to scab over and you're going to, you're going to see little black. Um, you'll, you'll see in the grain of wood too, or it gets little black marks, you know, I don't know if that's mold or whatever, but you know, it'll start to look different mm. and you can, these are pretty tight areas in all these bodies here. And so you can, you're looking for tick marks on trees as he walks by with his, you know, cage on his head, you know, he's going to hit this, hit that. Um, I'm following his tracks through the marsh grass. Uh, a lot of times they don't leave, they're not going to leave a lot of tracks as far as hook tracks, but you can, you can look at an angle through that marsh grass and you can see, you know, where each hook punctures that marsh grass. And, a lot of times, too, if there's a trail in that grass, it's, it's gonna it's gonna form a certain shape. As, you know, like water going through water. You know, it's gonna form a certain shape to all the blades of grass. So you can kind of follow all this stuff, and uh, it'll it'll you know, if there's there's something nice in an area. I usually can, you know, lay down in that deer's bed and see what he's seeing. Yeah, yeah. What what makes a spot scream? This is a staging area in the situations that you're hunting. So it sounds like a lot of marsh with Oak islands and maybe I'm going to guess ag maybe around the outside possibly. Um, what, what makes a spot scream like, Hey, this is a staging area. 
you're going to see a lot of, so you, you'll have a, a lot of times those bucks, you know, they're not going to move far before dark and they're going to, they might move less than a hundred yards before dark, you know, and they'll get up. They're going to work to the edge of their bedding area and, and you're going to see maybe different, different size rubs from different bucks kind of congregating in that area. You're going to find, um, you know, when they get up, they're going to, of course, you know, they're going to probably, you know, go to the bathroom or whatever. So you might find a lot of poop, you know, in that area at, right before they head out to the main feed. You're going to find convergence of trails, that kind of, and it's, it's going to be located really tight to bedding. It's just something, you know, when these deer get up, they stretch, you know, they might move 50 yards, 60 yards, and they're going to be just kind of milling around, you know, I, I think I, I've seen on uh, MSU Deer Labs, I think 60% of the deer's diet is browns, according, you know, according to that. Um, so you're going to be looking for that also. And what I noticed in these marshes, you're going to have, uh, they're going to be hammering the uh, raspberry bushes. They're going to be hammering the um, ferns. You're going to see the ferns bitten off. They love the, uh, of course, you're gonna, you might have an oak tree, you know, dropping in that area. Um, might be a popple tree that snapped off during a storm that's going to congregate them in that area. They're going to be eating the leaves off that if it's fresh. Um, maple leaves, young maple trees, you're going to notice they really love those too before they turn, you know. So um, the staging areas are going to be really tight to bedding for yeah. the most part. Before that, you know, food, food source, whether it be an oak flat or which most guys are going to congregate on an oak flat. They're just, they're too far away most of the time. Um, you got to get really tight to that bedding. Uh, there was a couple years back, I was uh, went in on an early season hunt, and I I planned on going about a mile, mile and a half in to a certain spot. But, you know, you listen to Dan Infault, the beast guy, and you hunt your way in, and if you see fresh sign, you're either going to, you either write it off or you keep going. Or, I mean, you write it off or you, you're going to hunt it because you don't want to hunt back towards that sign later on in the year. Um, so I, I got to this area and there was smoking fresh. I mean, there was, it was back in the thick stuff, fresh, fresh scrapes all over the place. And I just stopped, started climbing the, tr- you know, I, I picked out a tree right there. It's all marsh grass, red brush. There was one, a decent tree to get up in. So I started getting up that. I got up about eight feet. To my, I was on my second stick, eight feet up in the air. And there was a buck batted 30 yards away. He jumped up, took off. Oh. But that's okay. Though. I'm like, you know, they're still in her bachelor group. So I, that didn't bother me. It wasn't, it wasn't the deer I thought was in there. So I'm like, well, that could have been a satellite. That's probably a satellite buck. So I just said, okay. It's early. He's either going to come back or there's another one bedded right here somewhere. So I get up in that stand. Two hours later, that sun's shifting. And all of a sudden, I look at 60 yards to my left. I see I see the deer turn his head, and there's a buck bedded there. And this was two hours after I, you know, got up in my stand, and two hours later, I look over 60 yards, and I could see that. I could see his antlers turn. And to get a picture of how close he got to be to these deer, I'm 60 yards away from this deer. I don't have a shot at him. Even if he's, he stands up 10 minutes before daylight is over and he doesn't move. He just, he walked about five yards to the right. And he looked around, walked five yards to the left. 
and he just sat there until it got dark, and then I heard him walk off. Ugh. I mean, you gotta. So you're when you're hunting like hunting these early season, if you're going after these beds, it's kind of like it's a razor's edge. You know, it's you're either there or you're not, and you're gonna bump deer. You will bump deer doing this, and I mean that's just part of you know part of it you know you got to get as close as you humanly possibly you know can you're uncomfortable getting that close sometimes but just you got to keep pushing yourself you can get away with a lot with these here though yeah man you know that's gosh i i was i did an interview earlier today for my other podcast with uh josh honeycutt and we talked about the exact same thing about how much you really can get away with if you've got just a little bit of wind cover if you've got a little bit of you know, maybe it's rain cover, some kind of noise to help you, you know, muffle your, your sound just a little bit. You can get in really tight and really close. But, man, as you're talking about this, you know, the, the, the lack of movement in these early season deer, especially ones that live like back in the marsh where they've got water, they've got food, they've got cover in a 10-yard circle, you know, so yeah. they don't have to go far. What makes you like the early season so much then? Like what what is the – draw and the appeal to you that keeps you going back after it, even though uh, it can be really tough hunting. If for North, when I go to North Dakota, I'll be going out there in two days. Um, chasing velvets is it's, it's fun. I love chasing velvet whitetails. That's, um, that's, that's, that really drives me out there. Um, I love that. Got four in the wall that are velvet and uh, they're just beautiful animals. Love doing yeah. that, and it's and the way I hunt, I'm I'm more of a bed hunter, so this plays into how I hunt the early season and mid season based off the bed. Come the end of October, November, it's it's kind of a you know a crapshoot, you know where you know these deer are going to be moving around. So I, I I can't I don't have that opportunity to go after. I can't target that specific deer. I know where that deer is right now, and. I'm not going to wait around. I'm going to, I'm going to take my shot and I'm going to go in there and win, lose or draw. I'm going to, you know, he's not going to run. I mean, there's a deer I'm after right now that he, he just, they don't move in these marshes. They will not move unless you physically almost step on them. Mm. They will, they will just put their head down like a newborn fawn and let you walk by. And, but it, yeah, getting back to, uh, I just, I'm being a bed hunter like that. I early season plays into it. Uh, North Dakota, I'm not after a specific deer. I do not do any pre-scouting. I don't run cameras out there. I just it's all based off a of historical. I've been going out there. Uh, this will be my 12th year, and everything's based off of historical data that I've accumulated. Um, the land out there, the landscape doesn't change out there. They don't have logging. They don't have you know. You might have a hedgerow of trees they knock down or something like that. Um, different food, but I'm also targeting instead of specific beds out there. I'm targeting specific bedding areas, and I'm targeting off based off the fact that either I've jumped a buck in that area before, or a, or I know there's always a bachelor group in that area. Because once once you find an area that there's a bachelor group residing with different age structure, it's probably going to be there for in that same vicinity the rest of my life. You know, nothing if nothing else changes out there. They're just gonna keep coming up in the ranks and you know, you'll you'll be able to target that area so you can put that in your back pocket and every year I'm gonna run out there real quick 
maybe, you know, just do a quick scout, run out to a certain spot, see if that scrape's opened up right next to that, you know, the bedding and back out. And I'm going to, I'm just going to jump through all these different areas and see what, you know, what's active. Then throw sips at them. Yeah. Yeah. Man, good stuff. So I'm curious about, you know, early season and, and you're a big bed hunter and, you know, I, when I first moved to Wisconsin, um, it was, it was amazing. You know, growing up in Alabama, it was like, man, I, it's really tough to find beds and bedding in general, just because it's so prevalent. I mean, we were in, we were hunting areas that were clear cut pretty often. I mean, these pine trees down there grow super, super fast. So the landscape is constantly changing. Historical data is like a, a, a joke there because your property looks different Every five years, it's basically a brand new property that you have to relearn all over again because the logging company logs in sections and they replant and, you know, within a couple of years, everything just looks different. When you're hunting, when I came to Wisconsin, all of a sudden the beds were where they were supposed to be. You know, the deer, the deer are doing what they're supposed to do. Um, When you jump a buck out of his bed early season. Is that game over, do you think, typically for that deer, or are you going to hit that bed again? And if so, how long are you going to give it? I'll hit that bed again. Um, it's definitely not game over early season. There's a lot of um, – there's bears, there's wolves, there's other hunters. Um, these deer are getting pushed around all year. Um, and they're bedded there because they win each time they get jumped. So they're they're going to go back to that same bed. Um I don't mind jumping a buck at all. I will actually, when I'm out of state, I will purposely jump. I, if I don't plan on hunting a certain area, if I'm scouting a new area, I'm just going to blow it out. I'm going to see what I jump up. I'm going to see what's out there. I'm not going to care. I'm just, I'm going to go right to that bedding area. And that's how you find these um, groups of, you know, these uh, groups of bucks that you can possibly go after the following year. Put a game plan together. Um, but I'm not gonna, I may try, uh, I may try getting back there the next morning, um, doing the old bump and, bump and dump technique. I might, but I'm not, it's not, it's definitely not game over. Um, these, they don't move very far. Yeah. They might, they might jump off, you know, a hundred yards and like, what, what was that? You know, and they, and that's just quiet. So then you can just kind of back up out of there and, you know, they're none the wiser. They won because they survived. They'll be back in there. Yeah. So tell me, all right. One of the things you mentioned before we started recording was that you love hunting mornings. Now, is that from the very get go that you love hunting mornings or is that, you know, once September begins to turn into October or what what does that look like for you? And if so, what are your sets looking like in, uh, in the morning for the early season? Cause let me, let me say it like this for a long time. The common wisdom was do not hunt mornings in the early season. You're wasting time. You're blowing out deer. It's not going to work. Then the conversation kind of has shifted here lately of, man, mornings in the early season are the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, You should always, always, always hunt the mornings. So tell me about your perspective on hunting mornings in early season and kind of how you're trying to set up and what that looks like for you. So if I don't know you, I'm going to tell you mornings are horrible to hunt. Don't do it. That way I don't have as much pressure out there. (laughs) <laughs> I'll edit but, this out. I'll edit this out. Yeah. But myself, um, I love hunting mornings. It, it needs to be a specific set though. It has to be, it has to be a spot 
that allows the deer to filter back in from the food source. Um, so if you're, if that bedding is too tight to the food source, I may not hunt that spot opening. You know, I mean, uh, early season mornings, I might slide in there at night and, you know, do it that way. But it has to be a certain distance from the food source that allows the deer to filter back to it. So in North Dakota, those deer, they're not as pressured as, the, you know, around here, probably Michigan, all these other states. Um, I can get right into that bedding area, right on the periphery of that bedding area, maybe an oak flat like I did last year. And they're going to come back in there. They're going to, right at daylight, 7, 7.30, they're going to start feeding on acorns. Um, last, the last opening morning on North Dakota last year, I, I uh, knocked down 100, mid-160s out there. And that was the first, you know, I had historical data on this area based off of deer I've seen in the past. Um, you know, I knew the, the age structure was there. I knew the genetics were in that area. And it, it's a big wooded area that people don't like to hunt because it's, you know, everyone's always after glassing an egg. You know, they're looking for the egg and looking for the beans and trying to sit on the edge of these bean fields where I want to hunt these areas that you can't see from the road, that you actually have to stick your nose back in there and see what's in there. Um, I, that, that differentiates me a lot, you know, of the other hunters I see out there because they're hunting beans and stuff like that. Um, so it, that's, that'd be hard to hunt in early season if you're hunting that kind of area. But I'm back in the timber, and I'm waiting for these deer to filter back in to that bedding area that I've jumped deer prior or I've witnessed deer in there. And, yeah, that's how I kind of attack it. But it, you have to allow it. There has to be, you know, they have to be able to filter in there. Otherwise, I mean, you could sit right over that buck's bed, I guess, but that's that's pretty tough to do too. Yeah, when you went in and, and shot that deer last year, you know, you're kind of on the edge of the bedding. So you're in North Dakota, you're not necessarily setting up for a specific bed. You're right. you're more for a bedding area. Um, yeah. Had you gone in there like the day before to to scout that, or you're just like, hey, my historical data says this is where I should be, and I'm heading there for opening morning because hey, it's dark out. What else am I going to do? I did not go in there prior. Um, if I if I would have went in there prior, look at that spot. The deer are bedded so close to that tree that I would have I would have bumped them out. You know, it, it, they, you know, because they're it's really thick on the edge of this area, and they're bedded probably within 25, 30 yards of this opening. They got the northwest wind, north wind, uh, westerly winds coming over their back out of the thick, and they can kind of peer off into this uh, oak grove. And if I would have went in there the day before, that would have you know I don't think. That would have been game over already. So just based off of historical data, I knew they bedded that close to this area. I knew their oaks are dropping. And there's always a good buck in that area. Every year I've been back there. Um, we discussed earlier, uh, a few years back, I got to witness one of the biggest body whitetails I've ever seen. And it turned my stomach upside down. Um, that thing had to be, you know, 300 pounds on the hook. It was a... Uh, 24 inch eight pointer and he was with a 16 inch nine that was less than half the body size of this one. Wow. I played cat and mouse. You know, I mean, you're, you're there for a week. I played cat and mouse with that. I seen him one other time and he was, he was pretty darn good at where he was betting and what he could see. I mean, I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk towards him 
the area I was coming from and him not see me. And he'd just boom, go right back into the woods. So it, it seems like these bigger, these bigger deer are always put some sort of landscape feature in between them and their food source, yeah. whether it be a, um, a, you know, pasture or something, you know, they're always putting some sort of feature in between them and where they're bedded so they can watch your back trail or they're, you know, they're good at what they do. Yeah, man, for sure. For sure. All right. Another thing that I've been seeing from you is some pretty impressive trail camera data uh, yeah. coming out of the summer. And I shared with you offline earlier, um, the main property where I hunt, uh, I have a lot of success on bean years of getting pictures of deer um, during the summer. And I'm, I'm not putting my cameras on the, on the beans. Uh, I'm putting them back in the timber. But those same spots back in the timber don't produce when it's corn or something else in those fields. How are you setting up your trail cameras? What are you focusing on? Because, man, your, your cameras are on fire, and this is on public ground. So what I'm focusing on is uh, based off my scouting and the proximity. I, I got to know. I don't want to be chasing a ghost out there. So I have to know what that deer looks like. I will want to know. I know where he's bedded. I, based off my scouting, I know right where he's going to be at least at a certain time of year. And I, I need to find out if he's still alive so I can make a game plan. So I'm putting these pretty darn close to bedding locations. I'm, I'm doing the, uh, I'm really using the mock scrapes this year. Uh, I've been, you know, using the buck beaver. I watching that, you know, Troy Pottinger or whatever, you know, he's the master at that stuff. And I've been, I've been running kind of a trot line of uh, mock scrapes by all these bed, bedding areas. And I can just, and all these, you know, the deer are going to, they're going to be bedded in there and they're, they're going to check it out. You know, they're going to, they're going to give me a picture. And based off that, I can tell the age, um, the genetics in that area. And then I can kind of weed out where I don't want to go, you know, and target specific deer. Yeah. Tell tell me a little bit. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You, you kind of cut out just a bit there. I was going to say, it's, it's very, very dependent on the bedding, um, aspect of it where I'm putting these scrapes. I want to get it close enough to the bedding that you know the, the prevailing wind is going to carry that scent towards the bedding. Kind of maybe you know maybe tick off the deer in there and he's going to check it out and hopefully he takes that scrape over. Um, it's going to be on a certain type of tree uh, based you know you're going to be able to see what type of tree these deers you know the deer scrape on in that area. So we got a lot of small oaks and that prevailing type of tree in certain areas. And it might be a, you know, a pine tree in a certain area. Um, you're going to have a certain shape to it. You know, if you ever watched your uh, scrape before, you know, a lot of times it's kind of like a V-shape. He'll take his right foot or left foot and he kind of scrapes it off to the right and off to the left. That's so kind of a V-shape. So I try getting it the same shape as that. And, uh, of course, you want your licking branches and all that, you know. But yeah, it has to be tight to bedding, though. That's the, that's the key that I've used, um, and it seems to be giving me uh, pretty good results. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. Their gear is made for outdoorsmen by outdoorsmen. Archery openers are just around the corner, and Tacticam has just released several new products to help you share your hunt and take your scouting to the next level. Topping the list is their 6.0 point of view camera providing 4K footage and a user-friendly waterproof package. 
They've also just released the new Solo Extreme, giving you HD footage, 3 to 8x zoom, and one-touch operation. And Tacticam's lineup of point-of-view cameras is supported by the best mounts and adapters on the market. This fall, I'll be using their Bose stabilizer mount, as well as their bendy clamp mount to make sure my cameras don't miss any of the action. And last but not least, Tacticam just launched the Reveal X Pro. With no visible flash, built-in LCD screen, and built-in GPS tracking, the Reveal X Pro will help you take your scouting to the next level. You can learn more about these and Tacticam's entire line of products at Tacticam.com or RevealCellCam.com. This episode is also brought to you by DeerLab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. DeerLab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. DeerLab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, deer, turkeys, people, whatever. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you occasionally forget to set the correct time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com to check them out. You can get a free trial on there for 30 days. And then when you're ready to buy, use the code Wisconsin at checkout for 20% off of any plan. Now let's get back to the show. Tell me a little bit more. Number one, you mentioned something is some kind of product I'm guessing that you use. I want you to dive into that just a little bit. And then you mentioned kind of like a trot line of scrapes around that. So tell me, tell me a little bit more there. Cause I I'm pretty intrigued and, and I've got to say my mock scrape game is not good. Uh, it is, it is not good at all. Now I have had some scrapes get taken over some mock scrapes get taken over, um, before. And so I've had a, a, like a taste of success, like enough to know that I want to do it again. So yeah. tell me about those two things. So I've been using this year. I went with, I've been uh, dabbling with that buck fever synthetics. Um, it's just, it's a synthetic, uh, uh, mixture that, you know, never, never expired. It never, you know, it all, it's always fresh. And I use, there's a forehead gland and I'm using this, uh, on the, Licking branches and using that forehead gland, and then on the scrape itself. Right now, I'm using the pre-post scrape um, mix. You know, they make different mixes for different times of year. I have I've never dabbled with the other stuff yet. You know, I'm just the, the pre-post. I'm getting into because hopefully by the time the rut comes, I'm I'm done. You know, I'll just I don't need to worry about that other stuff. But um, but yeah, that's that's what I've been using primarily this year. And the trot line aspect is you got a big piece of property let's say, you know, three miles long, you know, or a mile long or whatever. And based off your, your scouting, you know of specific areas where a big buck is bedding. So I'm going to go in there and I'm going to find the best spot to drop this mock scrape in based off the prevailing winds and everything else. And it's going to be pretty close to bedding. It's probably going to be within 150 yards where that, where I think that buck is bedded. And I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'm going to drop that scrape in and, but it's going to be pretty close, but I'm going to run these trot lines and just, I'll be able to get inventory on the entire area that way. You know, I'll know every darn near every buck in that area. Wow. Wow. And man, that, you know, that can be really tough trying to get inventory on public when you can't bait that kind of thing. Yep. I mean, I think a lot Correct. of guys really struggle. So I'm going to put this tactic into use. It, it might be a little late for me, uh, getting going this year with it, but, uh, definitely something to give a shot. Yeah. In the past, I always would just run, I, w- I would rotate my cameras really often and I would, I would be targeting specific, um, trails coming off the bedding. So like every week I'd go in there and 
check it, move it, check it, move it until I found active deer. And I, I've kind of got away from that now. I'm just letting the cameras do a little more work for me. And it, yeah, it's, it, it's pretty amazing. Um, there's one spot that I, I got a mock scrape up in. I don't know. I, I haven't seen the buck yet. Um, I know he's there probably mid season through the rut based off of pressure and cover in that area. I know he made it because I found his bed in the spring and I know he was using it based off the hair in there and based off the rubs in that area. He's a, he's a big guy. And so I, I have a scrape in this area and it's getting pounded by does and small bucks. So that's kind of set the stage that later on in the year, with all this deer scent in there, I got, I got deer bedded. I mean, they'll bed right in that scrape. They'll bed right next to it. I got all these deer just leaving scent right in the spot. And it's kind of setting the stage for a future visit to this deer. Probably that, you know, October, you know, mid to late October when that's, you can really nail these scrapes, you know, you know, you can really hunt these scrapes effectively, but that's, so that's, that's, a, you know, that's something I'm doing too. I'm just putting them out there and, all this fresh deer scent and everything from all these other deer subordinates. Eventually that big one's going to come in there and he's going to show up to that spot. Yeah. Are, are you putting multiple uh, mock scrapes? Like I, I've got a spot in mind that uh, is, is really good. Uh, it's a really good bedding area. It's tough. It's kind of tough to hunt and get to without getting busted. It's probably about five acres in size. And yep. it's kind of some grown-up CRP kind of stuff in the middle of, of what is bigger timber right around. It's just kind of this, like, one open spot in the middle of the woods. Uh, the deer love to bed in there. And I'm curious about running multiple mock scrapes around the outside of this area. Is that something that you do some, or are you just going to pick what you think, you know, given your experience with doing all of this, you're going to pick the one spot? I want to pick the one spot. I want to... I want that deer to focus on the one spot. I don't want to, you know, I, I'm going to find the, where I think the best area that he feels comfortable going and close to that bedding. And it allows me to get a possible shot on that deer. If I'm hunting over that scrape, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick the one spot. Um, there's a, there's an area in this marsh I'm hunting right now. And I, it, I don't think I can get in between the private food plots and where the deer are bedded. So I purposely put a mock scrape on the edge of that area, kind of like a flanking maneuver. And I'm hoping I've seen some deer pop up on it, that it should draw, you know, the deer just slightly to the left or slightly to the right to allow me to hunt them. You know, um, I'm, I'm just trying to manipulate the movement a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good, man. I, I I forget who it was that I heard talking about it, but he was mentioning that, um, you know, we like to think of deer movement in a linear pattern, like the deer's in this bed and he's going to food source A, and he gets up out of his bed and he walks in a straight line there. And uh, that's, as you know, not how it works. And I think little maneuvers like you're doing, like I can't get in between there, but I can get, you know, 50 yards to the west of there, whatever the, the case may be. And, and pull him just enough, right? Like you yep. don't, you don't need to pull him in the whole opposite direction. You need to pull him just enough to get him before he makes his way over onto private. Yeah. So let's say he's bedded, you know, 
you know, let's say you want to maybe put that scrape up wind of them and it's going to tick him off while he's sitting in his bed. He's just going to be thinking about this. You got the scent that's pounding him all day. What the heck's going on over there? But, you know, he he's going to go see what's going on. It's kind of, you know, they're curious. They're curious, you know, deer are. Um, so they're, they're going to want to see what's going on in their area. Yeah. Just kind of direction, little little manipulation. Yeah, yeah. So let let's talk a little bit about uh, food. I mean, you're primarily a bed hunter, but yep. with food sources, you know, food kind of rains this time of year. Um, number one, a question I forgot to ask, actually ask you a minute ago is how much are you seeing a shift in bedding between, um, you know, summer bedding and heading into those first couple of weeks of the season. And number two, what kind of food sources are you really trying to key on? Or you're like, look, I don't care what they're eating. I just need to know where it's at, and I want to get in between it. So, yeah, the second part, um, I want to know what they're eating, and I'm going to get between them. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I know where, you know, a specific buck is bedded based off the food in that area and the cover. So I want to put myself in between him and that food source. Uh, most of the good food sources are, you know, you got the browse in the marsh, of course. You might have an oak dropping nearby that you can target real close to that bedding. But I want to target, you know, I, I want to put myself in between there, and I want to get as close to that to that bed as humanly possible. Because, you, know, you know, these deer can go out the backside. You know, it's like a star pattern sometimes coming into these beds. And, they, you know, they might want Taco Bell one night or they want, you know, KFC another night. You know, they're just... But I just want to get in between them based off the food source in that area. Um, in the marshes, I'm not, I'm targeting browse per se for the most part. If I find a, uh, maybe a popple tree that got knocked over really close to the bedding, that could pull that buck or deer over there. Um, right, you know, right as the low light condition, they're going to come and eat all the leaves. Um, I might target, you know, you're gonna, of course, the first oak that's dropping in the area, you know, closest to that bedding they might be filtering over there so I'm, i, I want to wedge myself in between there yeah not necessarily on the food because if deer are coming into that feed and i cannot exit without spooking them all that's you know that's a that's a bad situation too i might you know i might be a one and done you want to have a good exit strategy too yeah yeah. Well, what about what about the shift in bedding then? Do you see the bedding change a lot between right now into those first couple of weeks of the season, or do you see that stay pretty consistent? Um, it's it's for the few deer I'm after right now. Um, so we got we got some bastard groups I'm at. I'm watching, and certain deer are gonna migrate to certain areas. You know, they're gonna there's gonna be a shift coming here, and we got oaks dropping right now. It's Everything's really dynamic, so it's, it's kind of neat to watch. Um, the few deer that I, I'm really targeting, they don't shift very much. Um, there's a specific buck I'm after that he's in that marsh all year, and he might, I mean, he's within half mile, you know, from where I find him now, where he's, he's, he's probably bedded in this area right now, a three to five acre area, and he doesn't shift much. He doesn't really, he's a real local homebody but there's other deer that are they're going to spread out you know and you just got to relocate them um that deer i shot last year uh, that same marsh i had him on camera a mile and over a mile away 
and I actually shot them in a different bedding area. So they're going to, you, you got to follow the food and they're going to adjust based off of that. And it almost like could be a little closer to that feed. Yeah. Yeah. So how do the prospects look then for the year? I mean, you've got a lot of deer on trail camera. It's, it's been pretty cool seeing the behavior of the deer on trail camera. Like I've seen deer do that during the rut. Yeah. But I've not seen deer act like that in the summertime. So it's kind of strange. Are you, are you, yeah. The, are you talking the kangaroo or they're on your hind feet just getting into the scrape? Or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that and, and deer, you know, bedded basically right in the scrape. Like I've seen, I see that a lot from does, you know, right at the end of October, especially does bedded right around the scrape or a buck come in bed right by the scrape. But um, yeah. These are so close. These are pretty darn close to bedding areas. So it's, I mean, they're just on the edge. So it's not too far fetched that they're going to, you know, sit down there for uh, what I've noticed, maybe an hour, hour and a half. And then they get up and move on. Okay. But I don't see them bedding very long. You know, it's, it's like short term, you know, it's hour, hour and a half, kind of like night bedding to go eat. They lay down for an hour and a half, chew their cud, go eat. And they're, you know, uh, but yeah, they're definitely, they're definitely using them, um, taking them over, marking them. You know, it's just a, it's just a social community where all these deer are getting together and they're just, you know, seeing who's out there right now, basically. Yeah. How does, um, when, when it comes to early season, I mean, obviously you love to be out there. Does weather or, you know, conditions, does that play into your decision to hunt or not to hunt? Or are you just like, look, if I've got time to be out there in the woods, I'm going. A little of both. Um, if I got time to be in the woods, which, you know, I mean, it's, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll be somewhere. Even if, if, you know, if the wind's totally wrong for an area, I'm going to go somewhere else and just maybe throw a sit at it that I don't plan on early hunting. Um, let's say we have a heavy rainstorm and it's prolonged, you know, like, you know, like a lot of people see is right after the heavy rainstorm, those deer will get up and, you know, they start moving around, you know, right when it's done. So you want to watch for that. Um, that October 16th last year and the year before, there was a weather pattern where it was real windy all day. It was over. It was sunny, real windy all day. In the last half hour, the temperature died down and the wind died off. And past two years, there's been you know there as you I think you hit yours last year there, and they were just moving that day, real windy all day, and then right at the last you know half hour, forty five minutes, it died off and temperature started going down and. They were on their feet. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Well, all right, prospects for the year. I, I don't know if folks know, like, where you hunt and stuff, so I don't know how much you want to say, but do you have some deer that you're like, this one's special or, or this one's got me particularly excited? Yeah, there's uh, there's there's a few that have me pretty ex- Yeah, there's one in particular that has me really excited. Um, I've been after that one now for – I've seen them – two years ago and I missed them that year and right it was one of these mo- it was one of these days back in this marsh where early season I think it was like the 27th of September or something like that and every once in a while you get this special day where every deer in that marsh is on their feet an hour before daylight and they're just they're everywhere they're all the bucks are there everything it's like you're in the center of the universe and that night as I released my arrow that deer kind of 
hopped a log that was falling on the ground, and it went right. I saw that you know room not go right right inch below him. Mm. He didn't know what happened, and that was the last encounter I had of it with him that year. I didn't know his whole area. Um, I actually wind bumped him when I was doing some scouting in July, and he jumped up out of his bed, and I, I was able to get video of him with my phone. And he, you know, we locked eyes, and that was it. <laughs> but then last year I had an encounter with him too. Um, it was five o'clock in the afternoon, and you know, well before daylight ended, and uh, he was about 120 yards off, and I got I got video of him walking by, you know. Mm. Just, you know, a day walker, he was just huge. He was a, I think he was a 21 inch, 21 and a half inch 10 last year. And I got one of his sheds. I found that this spring. Um, I think the other shed was in a, is in a food plot on, uh, on some private. So I found this pretty close to that, you know, right on the border there. Um, but yeah, this year I have him on camera quite often. And I got a lot of morning picks coming by that camera. But I, I know where he's betting. I just don't know if it's, I, I'm, I'm weighing my options as far as going after, you know, opening morning. Yeah. I was going to ask if, if it's one of those spots that you said you can kind of slip into where they're filtering back by. I can flip into it um, without leaving any, you know, ground sense or anything like that. It's, I can walk it. I can go in there and walk a uh, water feature in and just hop up out of that and uh, get to my tree pretty quick. Um, so I, I've been using that water feature to get in and out. And, you know, there's I can walk all the way down that water feature, get you know, come off it, head right to my tree, get up in there, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty darn close to where he's probably going to get out of, you know, the staging area, his core area. Nice, nice. But uh, I don't know if I'm going to, go after him opening morning, but definitely opening night. I'm going to be throwing a sit because he's been in that area opening weekend for the past two years. And he just, he just needs to come home with me this year. So. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Well, uh, any last words for, uh, for the guy that's like me trying to unravel um, the early season, any like, wise sage advice that you can give to kind of help us begin to put the pieces of the puzzle together so that I don't have to wait till mid October or later to try to tag a buck. So first thing is big bucks are where big bucks are. And what I mean by that is they're, they can be anywhere. They can be anywhere. They're in, you're going to, you're going to do your knee scouting. You're going to be like, okay, there's going to be one here. I mean, he could be 50 yards behind the parking lot. I'm running trail cameras by parking lots, by roadways. And some of my best sign is where you just won't look. Or, you know, people just don't look. They walk right past it. So you, you, you got to just keep an open mind. And it's not too late right now to locate a decent buck. Even if you get back in there, you bump them. No big, you know, it's not the end of the world. Because the buck's going to get away. He won. But now you have you need the intel to know there's a decent deer in that area. So, I mean, without running cameras, without, it's hard to see the, you know, the rubs right now and stuff. There might not be any scrapes opened up. Um, without putting a mock scrape, dropping a camera on it next to the bedding, you don't know, you won't know, but you can always just, you know, if you don't, if you don't know about hunting a spot, just, just walk through it. Yeah. Man, that's really good. How close to the season will you do that? I, I, so the reason I ask, 
Um, I talked with Jake Bush the other day uh, on the How to Hunt Deer podcast, and we talked about the same thing. And he was like, look, if you don't have the intel, why are you sitting? Like, Correct. why would you hunt? You, you don't have the intel. Go in there and blow them out if you have to. How, how close to season are you going to push that? Are you going to say, man, even into the first week of season, if I don't have the intel, I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep pushing until I find the deer that I'm after. Keep walking. Keep walking. <laughs> Keep walking. So you start, you know, I mean, you, you got to figure out where these deer are. Um, you don't want to just throw empty sits at places. I mean, time's too precious out there. So you you, you got to have that intel. Um, jump that deer up. See where he's at. See how he's related. You know, you're going to see where he disappears to, you know, his direction to travel, where he feels threatened. Um, maybe you can use that on a later sit by, you know, having, you know, parking in that escape route, knowing that someone may come through that area and bump them right past you. Mm. Uh, you got to, you know, you're, you're kind of trying to use all these little tricks and games and stuff and against the deer. So if, if once, you know, you'll see him run off. He's going to go probably a certain direction from that bed. So now you know how he acts when he leaves that bed, when he feels threatened. Yeah. So kind of, you know, plan around, but North Dakota, I'm going to go out there and, uh, Midday, I'm just going to be uh, walking, looking for uh, fresh scrapes, fresh, you know. I don't, the rubs probably not so much because a lot of them are going to be in Bellevue yet. But fresh scrapes, and I'm going to be pushing bedding areas that I don't really plan on hunting, but I may, depending on what I jump up. Uh, and, you, and you just keep building that year after year, that historical data. You can just, you know, I jumped up a bachelor group here this year. So now I'm going to take a closer look. I'm not going to necessarily bump that out the following year, maybe later on in that week, but I'm going to throw a sit at them. You know, they're, they'll come back in there. They're not going to run out of the county like everyone thinks. Or, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they stick around the same area for the most part. Unless you get, you know, you see these deer studies where the deer do, do switch home ranges, you know, they're wanderers, you know, they might move, you know, I think 20 miles. Some of these deer, you know, I've seen some of these, it's just crazy. But yeah, just got to keep tabs on them somehow. So if you're not seeing them or you don't have the intel, you need to need to get it. Yeah. I, it paralyzes people. Um, they, you know, they're like, "Oh, my wind is wrong," or you know, "I don't want to jump the buck." Or, I mean, if you don't know what he's, if you don't know he's in there. You got nothing now, so you might, you know, you might as well go for it. Yeah, good stuff. So you leave for North Dakota in two days. Yep, I'm going to leave uh, Thursday afternoon after work. I'll get out there um, Friday morning, and I am going to scout for an hour or two and uh, start hunting. Awesome, man. <laughs> well, hey, good luck to you. I know you've had a lot of success out there, like you mentioned earlier, so uh, my confidence in you is high, but hope you have a great trip. Thanks for coming on the, the show. If folks want to Get a hold of you, ask you questions, find stuff from you. Where can they go? Um, I got uh, Instagram. Uh, I got a uh, Brian Dombrowski, B R I N D O M B R O W S K I, and uh, I usually post some pics on there and some stuff, and you know maybe some stuff I'm doing as far as scouting. I'll I'll throw that in there once in a while. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. For having me. Yeah, man. Fun. Absolutely appreciate you taking the time, and uh, hey, good luck on your trip. Let me know how you do. I will. I'll, uh, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds good. 
And that is all for this week's show. Thank you so much to Brian for coming on. Looking forward to talking with him about his recent success in North Dakota. Also, thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Deer Lab. Go support the partners that support this show and help me bring this content to you each and every week. Hey, get outside, shoot your bow, get ready. Bow season is coming up here in just a couple of weeks. And uh, man, do whatever work you've got to do to get yourself ready because it is coming. But whatever you do over the next couple of weeks, just make sure you're getting outside and enjoying the incredible resource that is ours as Wisconsin sportsmen. Mm-hmm.